your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoy this episode and want to stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and ensures you never miss another episode. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. On this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, we are going to be doing a, a recap of Winnipeg versus Ottawa, including some interesting stuff that preceded the game itself and maybe talking about where that could impact the Jets down the line. We'll start off with the actual in-game action and kicking us off in the first period, Winnipeg and Ottawa... It was a bit of a strange start. You know, Winnipeg definitely looked like it had its skating legs, and it was uh, a bit better than the last game start that they actually lost. But just about a minute and a half in, Nick Paul ended up stripping Derek Forbort and Neil Pionk on a bit of like a two-man overload on the puck side, and unfortunately, the Jets ended up conceding first. Forbort and Pionk weren't able to recover, and Paul and somebody else were basically 2-on-0 against Laurent Brassois. I gotta be honest, this was pretty bad on Forbort's part. He basically got completely bodied at the blue line, and I think what he was suspecting was that there was an offside call, and so he sort of backed off, but the issue was he lost the positioning battle, he turned the puck over, didn't really have a chance to track back effectively, and completely got walked by Nick Paul, so not really a particularly bright start for the Jets. Thankfully, Winnipeg ended up responding a few minutes later after Nikolai Ehlers led a really great counter up the ice, and then on the left flank, he actually did this really cool stop-up move where I don't know if it was like Josh Brown or somebody else defending him, but he looked to his right the entire time, suggesting that he was looking for a cross-slot pass, and then curled and stopped to reverse his direction before cutting back towards the direction of the opposing blue line, and while he was going backwards... Towards the neutral zone, he actually saw Mark Shifley cutting across on the other flank and then hit him with a beautiful backhanded pass that, frankly, not many players in the league can actually pull off. Shifley deposited the puck behind Matt Murray and the Jets had managed to tie it in a pretty impressive fashion. This play was basically all Ehlers, and I feel like, you know, Shifley hasn't really been as involved as a shooter as he needs to be, so it was really great to see him get another even strength goal. Oftentimes in these situations, Mark is the one who is controlling the puck, and that often leads to him either overcooking like a two-on-one pass or just not really taking any sort of attempt because he gets marked out. So it's good to see Shifley finishing one, a great play by Ehlers, but again, I think after the bit of the crappy start to the game, not really where Winnipeg should be. The rest of the period was kind of strange. Winnipeg did have some really good backdoor looks and a couple of great passes and stuff that just barely missed or were deflected away by the Sens. But overall, I kind of felt like the Jets were just sloppy. Winnipeg gave up a lot of odd man counters and rushes, and it was especially apparent when the Jets finally got a power play. It was towards the end of the first period, and unfortunately for the Jets, they gave up like two or so breakaways to, I think, Nick Paul and somebody else. It's very embarrassing to see this happen because it's been a, a trend for the Jets for a couple of games now, and it's especially egregious when your own power play isn't really creating all that many chances. So, you know, this first period for me, despite the Jets leading, I believe, in the shot clock around 11 to 9 shots or something like that, I wasn't particularly impressed. 
what what's kind of worrying with this team is that some of the defenders are looking even slower and the decision making on some of these situations especially near the opposing blue line teams have started to dial up the pressure on the right flank where the puck carrier is usually somebody who's trying to feed the point or draw it back down onto the right faceoff circle Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers have played there um and then you've got you know defenders dropping in support but oftentimes it just seems like now if they're trying to make a pass to the point, somebody from the opposing PK unit is going to try and pressure and intercept it. The whole turnover from lazy passing thing has continued to be a problem for the Jets over this season, and I feel like it's almost as if they're not really reading the situation, but just sort of following a bit of a blueprint, which for me, not not really impressed with. I think the Jets need to be a little bit more proactive in understanding the situation and the timing. I get that they have very specific instructions that they are given as to how to handle situations, but I also feel like the Jets put themselves in more danger not adding a layer of improvisation. Either that or the Jets really just are this bad at at making these decisions. If that's the case, then it doesn't really matter what the coaching staff tells the Jets because it's not going to make a difference. But I, I feel like some of this is very much almost like a scripted pattern, and so... I feel like Winnipeg needs to change it up, get a little bit more unpredictable, and stop doing some of these simple plays that, frankly, have cost the Jets a lot of really dangerous opportunities. If you're making the Sens look dangerous on the PK, you know, with either Alex Fermentin or Nick Paul getting essentially breakaways against Laurent Brassois or Connor Hellebuck, or it doesn't even matter who's in net, just breakaway chances in general, there's a serious problem with your power play structure. The Jets' blue line has started to look really ragged over the past couple of games. Derek Forbort was really struggling in this period. Uh, Neil Pionk definitely swimming a bit because Forbort's supposed to be one of his reliable partners, and that's that's not really happening. Morrissey took a nasty and silly penalty. Um, Tucker Pullman got posterized multiple times, getting beat from multiple directions by the opposing skater he was supposed to mark, and I just feel like, you know, you're, you're basically down to Pionk and DeMello as being two of your top defenders, and that's just that's just not good enough. This kind of leads me to one point that I wanted to make before we talk about the rest of the game, and it's that Maurice was very reticent yesterday to to suggest that he was going to put Billy Heinola into the lineup, and then today, in a bit of a reversal of direction, which means somebody probably said something to him, he actually implied that he would start to look to get him in, perhaps even for the playoffs. I think the change needs to be made as soon as possible. Tonight would have been an ideal game against the Sens, a team that's supposed to be on the, the lighter side of things, to get Heinola back up to speed. That the defensive lineups weren't changed at all is kind of concerning for me, so I just don't know when the Jets are planning to put him in. They've only got around 13 or 14 games left in the season. Heinola needs to be fresh and prepared for the postseason. In my opinion, he should be a starter without question until he proves that he can't handle it, which I feel like we already know that the Vets can't handle it as is, so I don't know if it's actually going to get much worse having him in. We know that Sami Niku definitely struggled, but is kind of a different breed. Get Villy in so he can start supporting this defense and maybe look to get him some more games against difficult teams like the Oilers or even, you know, the Leafs. You need to counter skill and speed with more skill and speed, and that's something right now that the Jets' back end doesn't have. For tonight, though, they were going to roll with the lineup that they already produced, so we'll check in and see how the Jets did in the following periods in just a moment. But before then, I wanted to tell you a little bit about the great locker room app. As I mentioned earlier in this episode, this show is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations around the league. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, big news or trade rumors. You'll find many of our hosts from the NBA, MLB, and NHL Locked On shows. I'll be joining the app soon, so be sure to get started, and I'll meet you there. Go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NHL group for the latest league updates. 
I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues. I can't wait to join you all soon on the app, so I'll be sure to let you know once the Locked on Winnipeg Jets room is live. Download the Locker Room app today. Also be sure to be following LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter so you'll know when Locker Room goes live. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. For those of you who are longtime listeners of this podcast, by now you know that I'm very much a big fan of Bilt Bar. If you've never heard of it, it's the best tasting protein bar on the market. Bilt Bar had 12 original delicious flavors, and of those flavors, if you've never tried them, I highly recommend mint brownie and raspberry. But German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, toffee almond, whatever your flavor choice, all of them are fabulous. If you can't pick just one, no problem. You can create your own variety box and get a great sampling of multiple flavors. Like any great company, though, Built wasn't content to rest on its laurels and is back and better than ever with six brand new flavors. They include caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. I've tried all six, and as you would expect, they're all fantastic, but if I had to choose one or two, I might say cookies and cream and lemon almond cheesecake would be my votes. As great as these flavors taste, Bilt Bars are even better for you, with most clocking in at around 200 calories or less, between 40 to 19 grams of protein, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 at checkout, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BiltBar.com. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are recapping the Jets versus the Senators. Before we talk about periods two and three, I did want to tell you a little bit about why Locked on Today needs to be in your daily podcast rotation. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked on Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked on Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And now on to Winnipeg's performance in periods two and beyond against the Sens, which, you know, after the first period in which the Jets were tied 1-1, I wasn't really sure what to expect. And in the second period, Winnipeg was just... I don't even know if they were really there, to be honest. The Jets just kind of seemed to, like, I don't know, figuratively die or something. The, the, the Jets really didn't create much of anything. There was like a 10-minute stretch where they actually did not record a single shot on goal. And the strangest thing was that you know, Ottawa didn't really take advantage because I felt like the Sens basically took a couple of pot shots here and there and definitely had end-to-end counters and rushes, but as far as actually creating offensive opportunities, the Sens just didn't really do anything. This is one of those really strange periods where the Jets, by virtue of not actually doing anything, probably allowed the Sens to come back a little bit in this game, but then Ottawa basically wasted all of their opportunities, and even when they actually got a decent slot chance here and there, you know, Laurent Brassois and Nett was very sharp, very wise to it, and swallowed most of the opportunities. I think towards the end of the period, the Jets started to wake up a little bit. There were a couple of better passing sequences and rushes, and it seemed like Maurice was getting a bit impatient, so overall I felt like... It, it definitely wasn't the end of the world, but if you have like a nothing-nothing period in which the Jets basically just kind of sat back and waited, I feel like better teams are going to take advantage of that, and that's one thing that was bugging me about this period in particular because the Jets weren't just sitting back, they were also committing really egregious turnovers, and frankly it felt like the Sens had a lot of opportunities to at least break the scoreline. It's these sorts of periods where I feel like the Jets have often been very, I don't know, I wouldn't say lazy, but it just feels like they're not really accomplishing much. It might be that at some point fatigue has started to set into the lineup, and I think that that's a big problem with this team. It generally seems like they have a lot of periods in this this, this season. I don't know if it's owing to like the condensed schedule or not, but the Jets just don't really seem capable of playing the full 60 minutes. This period felt like they let off the gas a lot, but the problem was is if you're doing that and you're not actually creating any cohesive opportunities up the other end of the ice, you are opening chances for the Suns to come back. Because the Suns were bad, not really an issue, but... 
Winnipeg tomorrow night is playing, you know, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then they have at some point in the near future, probably during the postseason, the Edmonton Oilers for a series. So against teams like these, the Jets don't really have that luxury. If guys like Nick Paul, Drake Batherson, Alex Vermetten, all of these skaters are kind of running circles around your defenders and your forwards, there might be a bit of an issue. It's these periods that remind me why I wasn't really super hot to trot for the Jets to make a move. I mentioned it the other day in their loss that I felt like the team was probably further away from being contenders than anyone is letting on. There are certainly some of us fans that are are definitely skeptical of whether or not Winnipeg can actually be playoff caliber, which I think is something that's been a theme with this team for the past couple of seasons. But, you know, it's only recently that the rest of the fan base is kind of starting to realize the same thing. And to be honest, I think Winnipeg's best option is just to find a way to get, you know, Vili Heinola or Dylan Sandberg into the lineup. I'm not necessarily suggesting that the Jets need to bench somebody like Logan Stanley. I think Logan is fine enough in the third pairing role. But if you want to bench somebody like, I don't know, Derek Forbord or Tucker Pullman for a couple of games, I really don't see the harm in doing that. I think both of those guys have struggled inordinately in their roles, and it's partly because they're both being played a lot more than they should be. Forbord as like a third pairing D is probably more than fine. I think the issue is is that he's been used so much as like a second pairing, occasionally as a top pairing guy, and that's quite a bit of strain on him, especially playing with a guy like Neil Pionk, who's extremely active, very fast, thinks very offensively and aggressively, and sometimes puts Forbord in a tough position. Derek tonight definitely had issues, and I feel like he just is starting to slow down a bit, so it might not be a bad idea to start getting in some fresh legs. As far as the rest of the second period is concerned, I just struggle to really remember anything in particular that happened other than both teams definitely doing some skating and and the Sens having a couple more shots on goal, but not actually creating much dangerous. It was definitely one of those mediocre frames where I, I just felt both teams were kind of out for a skate and it wasn't really inspiring. I'm definitely looking for the Jets to have a stronger performance either, you know, for the rest of this game or in tomorrow's outing because let's be honest, they're getting close to the postseason now. The Jets need to start sharpening up and showing some sort of predatory instinct in these games because right now I'm just not really getting a lot of passion or or energy and fire. Maybe the team is just tired, but they've played 82 game seasons before, so hopefully it's just a bit of a blip. And uh, we'll find out in just a moment whether or not the Jets actually woke up and won this game in the third period or if we continue to be treated to a very listless performance. Before we go any further, though, I thought you should hear about something that's the very opposite of listless. It's, in fact, so easy, convenient, and fantastic that I really think you have no reason not to use it, and that is BetOnline.ag. If you're into the world of online betting, you know that it's really hard to find a safe and reliable site that's convenient. That's why BetOnline.ag should be your only place you do your online betting. They offer the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, NHL, international soccer, and so many other sports are all in full swing. Not into sports? No problem. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, featuring real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Whether you want to place a bet on the next Stanley Cup champion or who you think is getting voted off your favorite reality TV show next, BetOnline also has your back for all the scores, news, and odds you need to make the most informed bets every single time. BetOnline is super convenient and easy to use, and it's even easier to sign up. Go to betonline.ag on your desktop or your mobile device, and when you register for a free account, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are talking about the Jets versus the Sens in what was not exactly the world's most eventful first couple of periods. 
You probably figured the Jets would win anyways because this is the Sens, and even though they lost on Monday to the same Ottawa team, you felt like the Jets would at some point do something useful, right? Well, they actually did this time. Uh, thankfully, the Jets got themselves on a nice early power play, and then with some good movement from the second power play unit, Matthew Perot absolutely ripped one top shelf after he cut in from the right face-off circle, and he was actually given a decent amount of space. And if you give Perot any sort of time and space to pick his corner, the dude has an amazing shot. It's not something that's like a super hard release, but it's very accurate, it's quick, and Perot definitely knows where to place it. And the fact that he can do it very quickly with almost no time to really set up just makes him so much more dangerous if he actually has time and space to take a shot. From there, Winnipeg definitely started to create more counters and rushes and some really high danger opportunities down low in front of Matt Murray. I felt like in the previous couple of periods, they were basically static for the most part. In the third period, they were definitely a little more active than I was expecting, so it was good to see that the Jets actually kind of, I don't know, woke up and did stuff. Of course, with Winnipeg, you did expect that at some point they would also have to kill some penalties. They've been taking a number against the Sens, and usually it just feels like Ottawa and the Jets kind of don't really have a whole lot called until one team gets a power play string or something. And then the officials are like, well, it's time to swing the pendulum back the other way. So Ottawa got a, a later period power play, and uh, it wasn't that great. <laughs> I think the Sens, just in general, were struggling to execute. Just as the Jets had surrendered some odd man situations, you know, Ottawa was starting to look a little bit edgy towards the uh, the Jets' blue line where they were trying to keep the puck and cycle it around, and then finally it ended up springing it like a, a breakaway for Trevor Lewis. After Thomas Shabbat took the puck at the left side of the, uh, well, I guess Trevor Lewis's left side, it was actually the right side of the ice along the wall, right at the blue line, Shabbat fumbled the puck, didn't really track back effectively, wasn't actually, I think, aware of where, where the puck even was. Lewis just kind of glided by him, stole the puck, and went down the ice and scored a shorthanded goal. So, not a great night for the Sens. Uh, the scoreline would actually mostly hold for the period. The Jets were generally able to snuff out most of the chances. But, of course, this being Winnipeg, things eventually got interesting once the Sens kind of got into poor goalie territory. The Jets actually took two consecutive penalties, and uh, a 6-on-3 situation was not super ideal for Winnipeg. Josh Norris ended up scoring a one-timer with 10 seconds left. And for a second, I was legit worried that the Jets might actually blow this one somehow. Even though, even though they only had like 10 seconds in the period remaining and they still had to win like a, a neutral zone faceoff or something, you know, the Suns were kind of buzzing. So I was like, you know, a, a little bit nervous with the Jets. I feel like Winnipeg, not exactly the most stable team when they have a, a one-goal lead. They nearly blew a 4-1 lead a couple of uh, couple of games ago against the Sens. They had a 4-1 lead heading, heading into the third period, I believe. And by the end of the game, it finished 4-3, so... Yeah. You know, the Jets were kind of fortunate that they held on this time. I thought Laurent Brazois was pretty good. He had a, a great shift as the backup goalie. Uh, a little bit shaky here and there on certain shot types and stuff. I felt like you can tell a noticeable difference between his tracking and Connor Hellebuck's tracking, but thankfully it all worked out. Thought he made the really good saves that he needed to. And Winnipeg got the win. The game itself on the whole, I'm just not super enamored with. It's great to get both points, but obviously I think the way that you do it is very important in this game. For me, not all that impressive. Winnipeg has shown a propensity to be a little bit sloppy and careless with a lot of uh, very silly turnovers, some poor breakouts, and just general, I don't know, crappiness. So if ever there was a time to get some guys who are sitting on the taxi squad or something, a little bit of ice time, I think this would be it. You know, the Jets have looked a little bit worn down. They could use some fresh blood. You don't have to spell your guys for more than a game or two, but, you know, in, in the case of somebody like Vili Heinola, who really needs an audition, there are some opportunities to genuinely improve your lineup before you head into the postseason. 
we'll see if any of that actually occurs. I feel like Maurice maybe uh, got in a bit of trouble after he was like kind of non-committal on the on the Heinle question yesterday. But we'll know for sure as we start to count down into these final couple of weeks of games. For tonight's show, that is going to wrap it up. We'll have coverage on tomorrow's game against the Leafs on tomorrow night's episode. As far as tonight's concern, though, that will do it. Before you log off, be sure to check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Be a waiver wire winner with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long, dynasty, and DFS league. Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.